0: What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Turn of the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will Paul on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Another episode today. Um, yesterday I was a little fired up on the podcast, rightfully so. Uh getting blown out by a division rival, 30 to nothing, is never fun for anybody. Um, I've kind of accepted the fact that it'll be silent Douglas next year, but if it's not, um it's hard to really get that angry about it um, based on the production the this year and you know the last couple of years in the records and things of that nature brad you're in your weekly spot this is probably as perfectly timed as it gets based on having off season conversations and um you do a lot more in the off season stuff but um when it comes to the off season nobody better how we doing sorry you know darnell mooney can't catch that was just brutal
1: that was uh the funny thing is that was probably the third or fourth Fourth worst drop by a Bears receiver on the day, uh, which, you know, I guess Jets fans had, are familiar Cole with Cole Komet as well. had one. I think Cole Komet uh, had no, one. No, it was Robert Tanyan, who should should have been cut uh, being mean now. But, I mean, that was the most egregious drop Packers I've ever legend. seen in my entire life. Packers yeah, legend. I mean, it was – Packers legend, yeah, he's actually from Chicago area, and I guess he's a double agent. I don't know. He shaved the hair, and and it was for you know a good cause. It was for locks of love or whatever. But I, I think he shaved the hair, and his, his he also lost his talent unfortunately at the same time. So anyway, it happens. It happens. Uh, no, I'm good. But yeah, I mean, look, we we were we're we're optimistic, I think, but I do think we're realistic about the Jets. I mean, I'm not I'm not a fan, so I have no reason to be like overly bubbly. That was a that was a depressing performance. I you know we obviously still could have lost the game, but to get just blown out like that. Without Tyree Kill, well, it was tough. Tough game. Um, I just think a
0: lot of this happens often, but I feel like a lot of the reaction, a lot of the reaction after the game and the anger, especially towards Salah, towards this roster, you know, uh, as usual, it's always pointed towards Robert Salah, not Joe Douglas. Um, As I think, a lot of pent-up frustration. I, I think the game as a whole was bad, and I think in a vacuum, the 16 and 32 as a head coach, you know, here with the Jets is not good enough. Objectively. No one's saying it is. I think 25 and 55 entering Matt Millen territory is even more egregious. Um, Just because uh, the conversation we talked about at a bunch of whose fault, who's more at fault, the Jets missed quarterback, like point blank. And, and I know it's not just about quarterback, but they missed on quarterback. And, Everyone else has been screwed from it. That's why they went out and got Rodgers. The problem was, guess what? Aaron Rodgers didn't play this year. And so you had the same rosters last year. So the same results happened. Really good defense. Fun, exciting skill players. The offensive line struggles because the quarterback doesn't move protections well. The offensive line doesn't communicate well. Everything's a problem. And it's not all the quarterback. The offensive line performance Sunday was one of the first times. I, I know they've not been good this year. I, I'm not in any way, shape, or form saying they have been. But... That was as like just as bad as it gets, and it sucks. I know you were just talking. You're doing your top hundred free agents list. I felt like Mackay Becton was having a decent year to start the year. The last since the sprained ankle, specifically, it's been like I like he doesn't run block well. He doesn't pass block well. I, I don't know what's going on, but the offensive line was a disaster on Sunday. Like, it's not on Zach Wilson. It's not on Trevor Simeon. Like, unfortunately, those guys are who they are. Um, Nate Hackett is who he is. The offensive line not blocking does not help
1: anybody. It's also, look, the the, the major injuries happen. It sucks. It's unfortunate. I guess you could say, like, part of it is that being overweight, whatever. But minor injuries at offensive line, like, that's part of the game. That's like, yeah, you can say yes. he's He's not playing up to the same level because he's hurt. Sure. Dwayne Brown is 40 years old. He's probably played through ankle sprains a hundred times in his career. Um, You know, again, like a decade ago when he was a similar age to Makai. But so it's like the excuse isn't really there. The interior, I thought Lakin and and Tittman both took steps back after I thought they were kind of gaining some momentum and playing better football. And here's my thing is, I think Miami has, let's say just the main four guys, four very good players in, you know, Chubb, Van Ginkle, Sealer, Christian Wilkins. I don't think any of those guys are great. They're all very good. I wouldn't say any of them are great. And they made all of them look spectacular. Like, um, you know, Wilkins is a very good player, arguably great, but not a great pass rusher. I know 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 but good. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Like, Bradley Chubb's a, you know, good, good player, but, like, made him look like an all-pro. And even Van Ginkle is, like, a rotational guy that just kind of feasted throughout the game. So, yeah, I mean it it was it was a step back because I think that we we try to find positives and and reasons for optimism and I feel like you know we've kind of given Lakin a hard time in it when it, when it was deserved and then he's kind of bounced back and Titman there was growth and they just all just did not come to play. That other thing too is like and I guess it, it maybe it changes as, as the game goes on but I'm watching that game like 14 nothing whatever it was I'm like these guys are already out of this thing. Like th- like this thing is this thing is it's over. over.
0: Yeah, look DJ yeah. I think I talked about it a little bit. I don't have a problem with DJ Reed or Garrett Wilson's comments. I have a problem with Alan Lazard's comments mostly from a I, I don't know how to phrase this. I'm not going to beat up on Lazard because uh, it's it's an easy target. He is who he is. He's had a really disappointing year. He's been he's been hurt all year. He's not played well. his his, you know, new environment. It, this everything's gone bad for him. like it's the classic as crazy as his take is, and I'm sure all people will kill me for it. if he had a really nice bounce back year next year where he catches forty five balls for six hundred yards and eight touchdowns. Wouldn't be shocked at all. And everyone going, oh, wow, keep him for the 30 year. Why wouldn't you? There's a world in which he's egregiously horrible as well. I'm just saying, like, he's this, he's not this play, type, bad of a player. He's never been this drop, this huge drop rate guy. He's never been a guy that, like, isn't good in the red zone, good in contesting catch. He's been terrible this year. He'd tell you, so Robert Sala told you, everyone agrees. Out-efforted, out-executed. DJ Reed saying the second Zach Wilson fumbled, everyone kind of was like, yep, it's over. Um, We've seen that a couple of times this year. And then the second, the offense scores, the defense like snaps at the chiefs game. Perfect example, kind of a similar thing where like early on offense looked like dog shit. The defense basically just mailed it in for the first, I mean, egregious holding penalty and then no one got called. And obviously that's not the holding me call talk about from that game, but 17, nothing early. And then the jets get the safety and all of a sudden the offense goes down and scores and the defense is like, Oh wow. We're locked in. We're ready to rumble. Um, the most egregious part of Sunday, and I want to talk about the offseason. I don't really want to talk about Sunday that much more. The Jets beat the shit out of the Miami Dolphins offensive line. And generally speaking across the board, like played really well on defense. Quincy Williams is really good. CJ Mosley was fantastic. Um, they got another a solid Solomon Thomas game again. Uh, Bryce had another sack. Quinn Williams was amazing. The difference was, and I, I talked to a couple offensive people that, you know, primary cover offensive line I said like what happened and they're like Miami's offensive line was just as bad as the Jets or almost as bad the difference was the scheme Tua got the ball out immediately he was better at changing protections when needed he did a better job of getting the ball out of his hands and his playmakers made plays um, the Jets didn't get the ball out of their hands quickly they ran the same formations over and over there it's like this was a really bad Hackett quarterback offensive line game all mixed in a one and again, I know people are going to defend Zach. I'm not saying he was the only problem, but like quarterbacks do align protections and do get the ball out of their hands. The fumble was really bad. I don't know. What I, I don't care what anyone says. Anyone that watches football or covers football knows like you have to just take a sack there. You're inside your own ten yard line. You cannot do that. Nick Mullins got ripped for 24 hours straight for doing the same thing, and he did it in the red zone where it didn't really kill you as much. Um, again, I, I don't know if I know. If we obviously are talking about that. Hey, is my Lizard take crazy, by the way? Like, if you just told me he's fine next year, like a solid wide receiver three? Like, I don't think that's crazy.
1: No, and and like he also is a specific skill set, right? You're not going out and finding guys that can be legit, like displacing ends and, and like moving bodies in the run game. It's not like as a wide receiver. I mean, basically, it's like a pseudo tight end. Like, no, that's that's kind of the nature of, you know, you go out in free agency. He's a mid to lower mid tier player. Obviously, you want better than this year. But also, you're not all wrong about the quarterback thing too. Like, it, it sounds overly simplistic, and and again, for fans of like Jets or Bears or whatever, where it's like, is it really that simple? Like, to a degree, yes. Like, the Texans roster isn't good. Like, but you drop in CJ Stroud, and here we are. Like, it's, it it sometimes is that simple. Um, you know, running a similar defense, they don't really have, they have nowhere near the talent that the Jets do on defense at all. Um. But yeah, it was a scheme game. I mean, that's the thing. And again, this not be, be one type of scheme like Shane Steichen's not doing what these guys are doing with the, with the wide zone and, and the, the, the you know, Shanahan tree, frankly, McVay is not doing that anymore either. He's running a gap heavy scheme and, and sitting in shotgun and doing a different, but it's just protecting your players uh, and knowing how to work around your, the players in the field. And you just, you just did not see that in this game. Let's have the bigger conversation in the off-season now. Uh, we'll, the rest of this
0: pod will just be off-season talk. Obviously, they're eliminated from the playoffs. You know, We'll talk, I guess, at the end about what you're looking for the last three games. I think it's what we've talked about before, seeing some of the young players have really nice impacts, some of the guys in contract years have nice impacts, um, things like that. That's really it. Do you think Douglas and Salah are back? Um, is there any world in which they're not? And... Why, like... I know we've talked this before, but like, it just feels like it's such a, like, do you have any confidence going into next year if they're back that they can figure this thing out with a top potentially top five pick and a bunch of cap space, which we're going to talk about in a moment.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, maybe, I mean, I guess you can't move on from a Hackett and again, Rogers can just fix so many of these issues that will, you know, go back to thinking Hackett's like a genius, uh, you know, and there are, there is some good, like I do like him in condensed, uh, you know, areas of the field, red zone, you know, certain, certain moments, I don't know how if I like how he deploys personnel like that. I have more of an issue with, and maybe even the play calling and designing itself, um, which are kind of isolated things. But yeah, I mean, yeah, I I, I do, I do, I still believe in Salah and. I mean, look, Douglas can hit on first round picks. We we know that at least. So get Elijah Tucker healthy, figure out the tackle situation, drop in. I mean, they might go, you know, alter Fashanu over a receiver with that first rounder. I don't think you can really be mad either way. They, they also need a receiver. There's no doubt about that. But um, you could see Rodgers or even just the front office saying, let's just get a blue chip tackle um, and, and kind of figure the rest out later. Yeah, I do. I, I still have faith they can figure this thing out. <laughs> yeah, I think the
0: changes we see are going to be – smaller. Um, I don't think they're going to be the scalp that every Jets fan is looking for. I think it'll be a lot of, uh, it'll be a lot of similarities. I know I have people hate when I use baseball references. It feels like it'll be a very Yankees. Like you're not going to get Cashman and Boone gone. Like they should be, but you're not going to, you're going to get Dylan Lawson, the hitting coach. You're going to get different farm directors. You're going to get, you know, triple a pitching coaches, similar thing. I think you'll see a majority of this offensive positional coach uh, positional coach is gone. I think Keith Carter, has objectively been the worst hire in like probably the worst hire across the NFL in terms of position groups that matter. The jets took a guy that was not well liked in Tennessee, brought him in to be the offensive line coach and everyone's regressed. Like everyone's like Lincoln was playing better, but everybody theoretically is just regressed and that's a huge problem. Um, Mike Munchak wants to coach again, and I'm not sure there's many better people in the NFL. Maybe Bill Callahan, that no offensive line like Mike Munchak. Go pay him whatever it takes. Go go into Philly and say, we will take. We're not going to. We're not going to take your number one. We'll take your number two. You'll get a. You'll get a promotion if this works well. You'll end up being a, you know, getting a promotion there. Do you think we see any other changes? Maybe they see one or two shakeups in the front office in terms of you know Joe Douglas is like second and third hand guys. Um, I just don't think we're going to see what people are looking for. I think it's going to be a running back coach, an O-line coach, a Taylor Embry. I think it's a Keith Carter. I think it's maybe as far as to say, you know, I don't know if they, you know, it's a Rex or somebody else like that in the front office, but it's it's something like that, right? Like
1: that's what it feels like it's going to happen. Yeah, yeah I don't even have mentioned Todd Downing too. Who? Yeah, Todd uh, Downing as well. <laughs> Yeah. Like, I honestly think if there's any scripted play success, like, I do think he's decent on script. We saw that in Tennessee for a couple of years, although maybe that was just, you know, other parts of the coaching staff. But, like, in particular, the pass game coordinator, is, which is what he is right now, like I just said, I don't really like how things are deployed. The spacing at times in the past game, I think, is a little bit clunky. Could that be guys running wrong routes or, or you know, or, or, you know, guys maybe having, you know, uh, responding to coverage in certain ways. They're supposed to run different routes based on what they see in coverage. And they're doing the wrong thing. Like, I don't know, but um, I'm certainly, I am certainly certainly haven't been wowed by, by the, you know, the, the route combos of the Jets. So, yeah, I could see that. I could see, you know, that that's kind of the last thing you do before. It's like, all right, we're going to keep you guys. Your seat is going to be hot coming into the year, and you know that. And, yeah, we're going to get the senior personnel advisor, the guy that comes in that's like, hey, you might be an interim coach in week 12, or even if not, you're just going to kind of like, report to the owner and tell us how things are going like that type of shit. That's what, that's what teams do in these scenarios. So yeah, I think you're probably right.
0: <laughs> yeah. Like you look at Buffalo, right? They just McDermott couldn't fire. They fired Leslie Frazier. People wanted him gone. He fires the defensive coordinator. Um, I still think hack it's not going to be the play caller next year. I think you're going to see, I know it's not going to happen, but, God, a John Gruden and Aaron Rodgers quarterback room would be amazing. Not just because, first of all, people think I'm joking. John Gruden is probably one of the five smartest football offensive coaches in the world right now. Um, and this is his scheme. I know we give Kyle Shanahan my channel. Like Gruden's been running this thing since Green Bay in the mid-90s uh, with Favre. I know he's not going to get the job, and we all know why. I'm not like, listen, I, I get it. I'm not advocating for anything he did, although the Goodall stuff is still objectively funny. But Gruden, like, generally speaking, like, that type of person, maybe it's a Jay Gruden. I don't know who it's going to be, but somebody that knows this system knows Rodgers well and can come in and be like, dude, like, Hackett could be your best friend. I'll be the asshole in the room, but we need to have a little bit of a balance of, like, I still need one of the the coach that's calling the plays in here. We need somebody with a little bit of, like, authoritative kind of uh, figure, and then Hackett can be the more – what he kind of was more in Green Bay, like, the fun – he's kind of like the fun drunk uncle that, like – is is actually pretty smart when you like let him just kind of go off, but like, whatever. I don't know. I'm just like saying like that's kind of what you're going to see maybe. Um, and again, like position coach wise, spend whatever you need to spend on an offensive line coach that could come in because if you're going to draft uh, one of these two tackles, someone's going to need to develop them. And I, and I don't know that you feel like you're in a good spot now. I think we've you've talked about this a lot. I tend to agree. Like, let's just like we'll lay out the offseason stuff for the last part of the segment because this is offseason stuff, but more more roster control. I think they have three guys that'll be starters on the offensive line next year here, which I think it'll be Titman, Lincoln. I think uh, Tomlinson will restructure. I think you free up about seven to eight million in cap space if you restructure him. Um, and I think obviously AVT back. I'm inclined to say they go ABT right guard. I still almost think if you've got Titman right guard, AVT right tackle, Lincoln left, uh, left guard, and you got a new center and a new left tackle in here, it's probably your highest ceiling. Is that crazy? Like, I know Titman's done a nice job, and Jets fans want him to be Nick Mangold and Kevin White. I get it. Maybe he is, but he's also 6'4, 315 pounds. And like, AVT and him on the right side com- as a combination feels like you can find a center in the fourth or fifth round. I guess you could find a guard as well the Jets have never done that so I don't know why I'm even suggesting that idea but is that is that crazy to like to think
1: like they have, they need at least two offensive line starters and we'll start there I think that is probably what I would do like obviously ABT is great at right guard but I don't I, like he's also great at tackle and particularly right and that, and that run game on the right side would be ridiculous like especially with a year of growth for, for titman and get back to health for, for uh yeah for abt there's no question about it yeah and then you get a center and a left tackle yeah i mean i'm with you i think there are a late round options center um you know in this particular draft class like, i don't think you're taking one early but i think there are a bunch from round three to six round three to five that, that could probably be good fits everyone in college now is undersized and, and, and good fits in this type of scheme. So. Yeah. I mean, and then maybe you do take, you know, an altar for Sean in the first round um, and just get that out of the way and just say, like, let's just do it. Let's just do it. Have a blue chipper spend in you know, for a receiver or trade for Devontae Adams or, or address that in a different way. But no, I agree. I agree. It's They're not that far. It's it's again, just like with the with the with the offense, like the O-line, it can be a weak link thing at times where everyone kind of plays poorly because you have a couple injuries and then it's like, all right, we have like Carter Warren or Max Mitchell or, you know, McGovern's not playing well. Like, and there's just kind of this trickle down effect of then the whole unit looks like they don't even know what they're doing. And it's like, no, nah, that's because like there's a weak link and it's kind of just bringing the whole thing down. Uh, no. So, so yeah, long answer short, I agree with you. Got to, got to save some money with a guy like Lincoln Tomlinson, no question about that, but, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, also the free agency class of centers is a little bit more enticing than,
0: Um, I know you're working on that article. There's at least some like names there that aren't in their mid thirties. I know Kelsey's obviously not going anywhere, but like it sucks for Connor Williams because he's probably gonna get paid a shit ton of money. And I wonder how much the ACL affects him. Um, Let's move to receiver. There's, I guess, actually let's back up home. We'll go to receiver in a second. We've talked about this before, but like, what is the jets ability to retain their in-house free agents? Um, They do have quite a few. Um, I think, a lot of them are going to let walk. It's a lot of veterans that are either going to walk or be on even smaller deals next year. The two things, the, there are a couple of names that come to mind that need to be uh, to addressed. They have to address both. Spe- like, the three special teams guys, I know no one's paying attention to. They have to bring all three. Like, there's no world in which you cannot bring back Morstead, Hardy, and, and Zerline. They're three of the, their ten most productive players on a weekly basis. So, that's just one of those things where, like, if you want to go into next year – you still want to be an elite defense, elite special teams unit. If you have Rogers, like you're going to need these guys. So that's one. Huff is obviously and Huff and to are the other two, right? The the big names that are the free agents that are not old. I think there's little to no chance Beckton's back, and if he is, it's like a one. I, someone suggests it's like you know you're getting a swing tackle level contract and a one year prove it deal. Um, Huff, we've gone back and forth. Where is he going to? You know, where is he going to net out? I just think to let a guy in his entering his prime as a pass rusher ages like 26 to 30 is like your prime. It's not 22 to 25. Like that's not how edge rushers work. He's likely going to break double digit sacks this year. He's going to break 60 70 pressures. I know maybe it's a scheme thing. I know there's all these different things. Obviously, Quentin Jefferson, by the way, and Zom and Tom's other guys, but they're more reserve players. Um, I think Jefferson's probably played his way out of New York. From a good perspective, I think maybe he'll get a little too much money. Thomas will be back. He is what he is. Why do the Jets have to, like, trade Bryce Huff or, like, let him walk? Like, I don't understand why you – they have more than enough cap space with restructures and cuts to address offense more than enough and also resign Bryce Huff. Am I crazy? Like, I don't understand why, like, you need to get rid of good players to get other good players in here.
1: I don't, because also it's like, yeah, you probably had some money in your mind earmarked for a Mackay back then, maybe, you know, a whitehead that I think you probably just, hopefully Chuck Clark gets healthy, You bring him back on a one year, like that men type of deal. Um, No, I'm with you across the board, like Al Woods gets hurt, like, you know, very old player, but always gets a decent chunk because he's very good at what he does. Like, yeah, there's a lot of, you know, Dalvin Cook. Obviously, you're not bringing him back in any way, shape, or form. Carl Lawson, you restructured the deal for a reason, thinking you know, maybe he has a good year and we figure things out going forward again. He's obviously not going to be there. So, yeah, no, you and I have been perplexed. I don't understand why they didn't make a bigger effort on Huff because, I, like, I, we talked about it. I put out my projection, and again, maybe I'm wrong, but it just, that's it, it, based on historical comps and a ton of data. I'm looking at guy literally, like, everything you can imagine. Height, weight, what they had for lunch. Like, it, we're looking at everything there, and it's like, the number came in even lower than I expected going into it. So, and then it's just the last piece is you you always want to not even balance across position, but you also balance the timelines. And, and right now, Jermaine Johnson and Will McDonald are not going to be expensive for multiple years. So like, yeah, JFM might need new money soon. Obviously you paid Quinn and I get all that. You need to add more on in the interior too. I get that. But like, I just don't see a world where paying Bryce off. We look back down the road and say, even if he plays 400 snaps a year where we're like, Oh, That was a terrible investment. Like, no, like what he does is extraordinarily valuable. And come times where you're playing, this is the funny thing too. What he does that's so valuable, you actually don't really see right now because if you have leads and teams are passing against you way, way more in late late in games, third and fourth quarter, they have to drop back to pass because the Jets are up because Aaron Rodgers is there. Bryce Huff will look more valuable and more impactful as opposed to, you know, a second half of games teams was running the ball and bleeding clock against you. Like it's limiting his scenarios where he is like making the most impact. So yeah, they can, you know, they couldn't bring it back. Everybody. I get that. They're probably not going to make a ton of splashes in free agency, but stuff like that in-house bringing guys back is absolutely available. If, if they want to do it.
0: So, while well, we're recording Rodgers on McAfee, pretty much confirming what we all knew, um, if the Jets had won Sunday or taken care of any of these other games um, that they likely should have won, he'd be playing. He basically confirmed his season is over. Um, I understand why. I want to give the guy credit for a second before we finish the offseason stuff. I know he's not going to play and people are going to be like, oh, he's just saying he could play. We saw him practice. He He could definitely play. And those leaks were like please win on sunday and that frustration sunday from him wasn't was i'm sure part in part you know the way they were playing i think it was a lot of like dude at 39 going on 40 i just returned from a torn achilles in 13 weeks and i'm not gonna have a chance to be able to to go you know play and compete for a playoff spot it sucks like i i again i'm sure i'm a rogers homer and whatever i've been like that might you know since he got in the league i've always been a rogers guy like it sucks that's the only way to say it um what do you think happens at receiver? There's a huge free agent class that most of these guys like look like they may walk. Um, I don't see a, a world in which T. Higgins is back. Mike Pittman's the the interesting one. He kind of fits like perfectly with the Jets. And I love Mike Pitt, but like the Colts should keep him. Like, there's no reason they wouldn't keep him with a young quarterback. Um, the Devontae Adams thing is real, and the Jets may be picking a spot where they could get a Marvin Harrison and Malik Neighbors, Keon Coleman. The list goes on. What do you what's your gut feeling there? Do you think like, they have more than enough, again, even if they signed Huff and whatever, like, they have more than enough to go get Devontae, right, or address in the draft. Like, it feels like they can kind of do whatever they, they – I think they have a lot more flexibility than people are realizing they do.
1: Yeah, no, they do. They do. Again, when you're pushing all in like this, like, you, you do all you have to do. Like, go be – the Saints with the end of, not not now, but the end of the Drew Brees era. Do what the Buccaneers did, do what the Rams did. There's literally no reason not to. The Rams were the most expensive roster in football last year on a cash by cash, $282 million in cash, more than any team this year, too. And then they're the cheapest roster in the NFL this year. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, you just got it and start over. But there's, there's, it, you, the whole point of trading for Aaron Rodgers is you try to go all in for this small window. Um, and a lot of the money they're spending too, like, not even like the, you know, you look at the Rams or the Bucks, like those teams, they were like re signing like older pillars of the roster. Like, whereas like paying Quinn and Williams isn't like relevant to the timeline of like going all in for Rodgers right now. Like, it's just, you were doing that regardless. So, um, yeah, no, there's they have flexibility. The, the things there's a T. Higgins, I assume will get tagged, but I could see a scenario where there is a tag and trade potential. Um, you know, it's not really in Cincy's interest to to do that and and they, I don't know, they they probably won't, but this is the exact same agent that had Jesse Bates there. They tagged him one time, tagged him a second time. I think they'll raise hell this time and just be like and like, you know, just go just go so nuclear that maybe you know that they can force their way out. Mike Pitt's interesting. I think the Colts, the rookie quarterback, will probably just keep him around. Um, but still, there, there's other depth depth options and, and whatnot. So uh, I know you're a USC guy. would be great to have. But no, they, they, they'll be able to add some decent talent there. Um, and why not? Yeah, why not trade for Devontae? Free that, man.
0: Aaron Rodgers, I don't think next year will be my last year. Ooh. So, again, these two things do matter. If you're operating in a vacuum that Rodgers plays two more years, it, again, it lines up with, like, Does that affect how you approach coach and GM? Does the coach and GM come in and say, Wow, we have two years of Rodgers. I'm more interested in the job. Does that mean that it protects solid Douglas even more? Does it mean that it makes you go, Okay, we're operating a two year window. Devontae makes even way more sense now because Devontae's got two years of big money left on his deal, you know, and stuff like that. Does it matter how you restructure Rodgers again? Like these things do matter a lot. And I'm, again, Rodgers has said it's not like, that much breaking news he did say two to three years he signed a three-year deal it was two years of you know real money yeah. but um this stuff matters yeah i want to ask you quickly about a couple other guys in the roster bless you that uh were i don't know i you are mute too i don't i didn't have to tell you that, that, was, that was impressive that was, that was, that was, <laughs> jfm's a guy we've talked about before i think it'd be a huge mistake to let jfm go i i think he is your only legit edge-setting rusher on the outside he can play multiple positions he's actually legitimately good um unlike some of the other guys on the roster that are more memeable um you know on that defensive line that carry baseball bats um and get in fights I, uh, what do you do with jfm he's one of the contracts that i think is actually really well done by douglas i'm going to give douglas some Uncredit. credit here five for 55 seemed or i think it was at the time you're like oh wow it took a lot of money for a guy that's got for his career high in sacks in week four of the 2021 season like you can move that money around like what are i guess some of the contracts and stuff I, I was looking around uh jfm's one lincoln's one Mostly, you can clear a ton of money with um is, are those like the moves that kind of make a ton of sense
1: yeah so you mentioned a bunch there jfm you restructured again you know you had those void years for a reason he has a big salary 13.3 mil next season and he has two years left i think you do broach the conversation of extension but Generally, that you know, they wait till the last going into the last year of the deal. But I mean, if he's down, I, I would certainly explore the possibility, especially because you know I think the remaining edge class. Like, I like Josh Allen. I think he'll do well. Like, but but you know, Brian Burns, the league doesn't like as much as I think fans seem to like. And yeah, he's a good pass rusher, but he's basically a one-dimensional player. Um, like, you kind of go to the list of the rest of the edge rushers. Like, you know, Montez Sweat and Rashawn Gary already went. They didn't push the market forward really at all. They they kind of. Just kind of went in line with where it was, and yeah, JFM has position, position flex. You can move him around. I think his game will age well too. Like he's not an overwhelmingly freak athlete. I think he's just a he's strong for sure, um, but has like some good nuance to his game and good burst and, and and things that I think like you mentioned earlier with Huff. Like, and it's not every player; they're all different. But defensive linemen can play in their mid thirties these days. Like if they are savvy players and and if they, you know, depending on how they're deployed. So. Yeah, the, the, those ones, of course, make sense. I mean, I can just pull it up here really quick, like in terms of what the Jets probably need to do. While, um, you, pull, while you pull that up, I just want to read this other yeah. quote from Rogers.
0: This yeah, year yeah. is a lost year for me. 2024 is not going to be my last with the Jets, and I have something to prove. I want to be here to in twenty at 40 and at 41. We don't have to rebuild. We have to retool. I believe in the leadership here. This is not a rebuilding situation. We're just reloading. That just basically all but confirms Douglas and Tyler are going to be back. And it gives them a clear two-year path to go. Let's go win as many games as we can the next two years. That's huge. Like I, I know you're looking up the stuff, and we'll finish up in a second. But like these things, I just said it before. But that that's like as much as as a Jets fan. If you're panicking right now, maybe some people are still panicking or they're don't want Rogers here. I don't know. I saw some. but Aaron Rodgers can go. Um, okay, buddy. <laughs> go go. Okay, go grab JJ. McCarthy and have fun um and suck for the next five years. Uh, but like knowing you have a two- year window as a GM and you obviously know this better than anybody with with the cap, like it just uh, gives you so much more flexibility to know we can push things basically two years down the line with Huff Steel. If you're the Jets now, Bryce Huff, you're getting a your cap hits one point one million dollars next year, and we're gonna prorate the shit out of your signing bonus. And in three years, You're going to have a $48 million cap hit that you're never going to see. I'm never going to see because I'm probably going to be fired by them. That's the way it's going to operate. I feel like we're going
1: to see a lot of that, if I'm not mistaken. You saw in Tampa, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's no reason not to. There's no reason not to. And especially these guys in particular. Yeah, it's like either this works or they're out of a job. Like, there's no point in like dilly-dallying around it and like going half measures. Like just do it. Um, so yeah, so Lake and Pay Cut, and then I'll just I'll run through it. I cut CJ Uzama. I'm uh, using the great overthecap.com. the uh, The calculator, you can do all these things and see exactly what it does. Uh, I restructured DJ Reed. I restructured JFM. Doesn't sound great to restructure Alan Lazard, but his salary is fully guaranteed already anyway. So it, it doesn't really matter. Again, we like were talking about if you were a rebuilding team or whatever, yeah, you probably don't restructure Lazard, but anyway, um, and then that's it. And, and just that alone, I'm at $54 million in cap space. So the big thing too, the last thing for me is the precedent set. And I know this year didn't go well, but loss and pay cut, J, uh, uh, Jordan Whitehead pay cut, like going to all these players and, and guys in the roster seeing that. And you have Rodgers, of course, most importantly, taking a pay cut. If they go to Lazar and say, hey, can we turn your $10 million salary into six? And Rodgers is like, yeah, you should do that. Like, he's going to do it. <laughs> like, like I don't know what to tell you. Like, are you moving around or you turn it into incentives, whatever? Um, yeah, maybe he doesn't. But it's just like, um, like the, those, all those levers are at your disposal to pull. But yeah, right there alone, you have a decent amount of space. You have plenty more to push into the future, um you know they added all these void years like i said for a reason they could have restructured this year and not tacked on as many as they did um that that wasn't an accident yeah we'll we'll finish up with this again a lot of stuff to come over the
0: next uh you know um you know the, there's a lot of stuff to to do you know in the next couple of weeks we'll talk more about it um appreciate everybody for listening make sure you guys are tuned to brad's uh top 100 free agent article and uh We'll talk to you guys again on Friday. We'll preview a little bit of this uh, this sexy game of, of Commander's Jets. Appreciate everybody for listening. We'll talk to you guys uh, next week.